So last week we started a new series and we're calling it Love Like This. And I'm using a book written by Paul Miller where he's taking an intimate look at the Gospels and an intimate look at Jesus and how he loved. And there's really no better person to learn how to love from than from Jesus. If you remember, there was one time they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus couldn't just give one. He had to give two. And he said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all of heart and soul and mind. And then he went for the second one. And to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Well, as I was thinking about the importance of this series, there's this conviction, like, why do we even exist as a church? And uh, we exist to make disciples who love God and love other people and serve the world, right? So this, is, this series is right at the core of what we believe and what, why we exist as a church and why we exist as believers in Jesus. So it is that important, you know? Now, if you remember last week, the main idea of last week is that love begins with looking. Well, this week I have um, another installment to make, and I'm going to start with a little bit of a confession. Um, I've had a super busy week, and um, last night I was uh, working pretty hard on this message, and I woke up and I was working hard on the message, and there was a lot of things that were floating around, and I had to tie them down. And then I left for church, but I forgot something. Anyone want to guess what I forgot? My kids. (laughs) I knew one day it was going to happen, and today it happened. I actually forgot my kids. How does that happen? I I amaze myself sometimes. Uh, Raina was on the phone. She's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm driving to church. She's like, you forgot the kids. Yeah, but they, Quest got them, so they're here, okay? We're, we're okay, we're okay, we, we're, we're covered. But um, I, I, I was supposed to say, before I give you this confession, don't judge me. And that kind of relates to what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about criticism and contempt, the, the twins that begin with C. Um, <clears throat> how many of you know someone who is unfairly critical? Like, raise your hands. I I think pretty much everyone here knows someone who is pretty critical. And what do I mean by, by critical? Well, critical in that this person always is able to see what's wrong with you or with other people, you know? Um, and they'll say things like, you know, you always, always is one of those buzzwords, or you do this every time, or why do you do this? Why do you like this, right? Um, and, and a critical person can, can move towards attacking character. So how many of you know someone who's unfairly critical? How many of you have a mother-in-law? Now, notice I didn't say a mother-in-law like this. I just said a mother-in-law, right? Because that can happen. How many of you 
have a parent, one or two, with kind of a critical spirit. Raise your hand, raise your hand, kind of, you know. And, you know, they would never say, oh, I'm a critical parent. They would probably say, I'm, I'm a tiger dad or I'm a tiger mom, right? They, those, are, those are some of the words that might be used. Anyone here have, like, a boyfriend or a girlfriend who can sometimes be critical, you know? I mean, you can raise your hand if they're not here, you know? <laughs> you can be critical of them for a moment. When I was a boyfriend, I suffered from this in a really, 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 really bad way. So I, I can relate. I can totally relate. Okay, Okay, now we're thinking about who do we know that's critical? Okay, here's the $500 question. Anyone want to guess what the $500 question is? Someone was like pointing to themselves. (laughs) Yes, the $500 question here is, has anyone here ever been guilty of doing this to another person? Anyone here ever suffer from a critical spirit from time to time, you know? Now, I'll give you an example. Guys do this with each other. They do it a lot. Guys know what I mean. You know, we use sarcasm and we use, we mock each other, you know, you know, and, and, and we do it because we want to make the other person feel incompetent and stupid and that's fun, right? You know, you're, you're such an idiot, right? And suddenly I feel a little bit better, right? We, we, we do, guys do this and it's fun, right? Is it fun? Secretly, it's kind of fun, right? Secretly, it's kind of fun. Um, and you call this, of the two C words, you call this contempt. Now, there's um, a nonverbal gesture for contempt. I don't know if you guys know what that nonverbal gesture is, but there's a way that you can communicate contempt without saying a word. Do you know what that gesture is? It's rolling the eyes. Okay, now I want you to guys really think back to like this morning. Is there any time this morning, like on the car ride here, where you roll your eyes? Anyone? Anyone? Anyone in the last 30 seconds kind of roll your eyes at the thought that I was giving you that you might have rolled your eyes this morning? You know, like, oh gosh, where are you, where are you going with this, you know? Uh, but rolling your eyes is, is the, the gesture of, of contempt. And... Um, you know what contempt and criticism have in common? They're, they're distinct, and I'll, I'll, I'll clarify the distinction, but they're very similarly related. Uh, contempt and criticism have this in common. It puts yourself at a higher self-righteous plane, and it looks down on other people. That's what criticism and contempt have in common. It puts yourself up, and it puts other people down. Whether you, you know that you're doing this, this is what you're doing when you criticize and you, uh, you, you scorn. It's putting yourself on a higher self-righteous plane. Now, it's interesting. People who are critical of other people would never describe themselves as critical. They would probably say, I have the gift of discernment. <laughs> you ever heard that? <laughs> I have the gift of discernment. I mean, they would never say, like, I have the gift of a critical spirit. You know, they wouldn't say that. I have the gift of discernment. I can enter a room and know exactly what is wrong with it. And I can see people and know exactly what is wrong with the people. And and sometimes it's like, how how is that a gift, right? How is that a gift? 
Um, I read something very interesting in a book written by Malcolm Gladwell, and he talks about a researcher by the name of John Gottman. I mentioned this last week. Um, this guy, John Gottman, is a very interesting person. He is the premier researcher on marriage. And he has gotten so good at analyzing couples and noticing patterns, so good that he could watch a couple talk for one hour and with a 95% accuracy rate tell you if that marriage is going to last in 15 years. He can do that just by one hour of, of observation. Now, he could watch, and he, he even said this, he could listen to a couple talking for 15 minutes, and at the end of 15 minutes would have a 90% sex rate of telling you whether that marriage is going to last. So that means he could be like in a cafe and over eavesdropping on two people, like talking to each other, a couple talking to each other, and in 15 minutes' time, he would have a 90% success rate and be able to predict whether that marriage would last. Now, you might be thinking, well, wow, this guy has a special ability. He would not call it a special ability. He would say, I am looking for certain patterns. And there are four patterns that he's looking for, okay? And he calls this the four horsemen. Now, that's from Revelations. They're, they're, not, they're not nice horsemen, okay? These are, these are bad, ominous horsemen. And he uses these as predictors of divorce. Now, here they are. I'm going to just tick through them really quickly. Number one is defensiveness. Number two is stonewalling. Number three is contempt. Now, here I'm going to define it. It's mocking or using sarcasm to make another person feel stupid and inferior. Okay, that's contempt. You know, like it's mocking. And then criticism. He defines this as a complaint taken to the next level. You're, you're blaming, you're attacking character. Okay, so that is criticism and that is contempt. And this stuff is toxic. It destroys relationships. I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about all kinds of relationships. Relationships with parents, relationships with roommates, relationship with friends, brothers, sisters, and of course spouses. But this stuff is dangerous. And instead of building people up, we, whether we know it or not, we're deflating people. And it can destroy marriages. It can ruin relationships. It can destroy friendship. It's anti-love, you know? And the funny thing, you would think that if a person is critical and they're subconsciously putting themselves up and putting other people down, you would think that they are happy people. They're, they're not hap We're not happy people. <laughs> people who are critical are quite dissatisfied with life in general. It's not good for other people. It's not good for them. It's not good for relationships. It's a serious, serious problem. Now, if you are here and you're like, well, I do that sometimes, or sometimes I can have some of those symptoms, but not full scale, I think people might say something like, well, that's just the way I am. Or maybe some of us might blame, like, mom and dad, like, that's the way I was raised, mom and dad were like that, or, or I was born that way. Now, here's the thing. Imagine Jesus coming into the scene, and Jesus is so hopeful. 
Jesus is here and he's promising hope for change. Imagine Jesus saying, no, 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 no. Don't say that's just the way I am. You can change. We can change. Relationships can improve. And here in this passage in Matthew 7, Jesus comes in on the scene and he's like, no, there is hope. We can change. Now, clearly, it has to be a work of God. Clearly, we need help from God. But change is possible. The situation is redeemable. So if you struggle with that, like, part-time, maybe full-time, maybe some of that, there is some real hope for change. And it's right here in this passage in chapter 7 of Matthew. So let's go with verse 1. Jesus says this, Judge not that you be not judged. The uh, Amplified Bible version reads, Do not judge and criticize and condemn others unfairly with an attitude of self-righteousness superiority as though assuming the office of a judge. They put in a lot of words there. But you see a lot of the same themes. You know, self-righteous superiority, putting yourself up, putting others down. Jesus says, judge not, you know, in short, Don't unfairly criticize another person. In short, don't look at another person with contempt. Now, if you kind of do this, the next question would be, well, well, why not, Jesus? Like, if I do this, what's going to happen to me? Verse 2, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Well, why should we not judge people? Because the measure that you use to judge other people is going to be measured back to you. You know, we have a a common saying for this. What goes around, what goes around comes around, right? Now, is that true? Well, like with other people, is that true? Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's probably pretty true. Like if I criticize people, but I'm kind of two-faced, chances are they're going to criticize me back, behind my back, right? But you can't avoid the divine undertones here. Like, what if people don't criticize me back? Well, there's kind of an assurance here that God will. With that same measure, with that same standard, God will use that same measure and standard back on you And when that happens, who can stand to that? And so right now, I think the appropriate feeling is, that's actually, that's kind of scary. And I I think it should be appropriately scary. Uh, Verse 3. Jesus says, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Okay, I, I... I love Jesus. I love the way he preaches. I love some of the visuals he brings. This is like really good stuff. But let me break this down for you. And I kind of, I kind of need a volunteer. Chris, could you, could you come up here? Chris, you're such a lovable, pickable, honorable person that I just, I had to. Okay. So can we give a hand to Chris here for bravely volunteering to be here with me? Okay. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Okay. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah. Okay, now this is, this is a scenario that I want to paint, 
And um, I don't think it's too out of the ordinary, you know, but it's something that maybe we can relate to. So I want you to imagine that Chris and I are, um, are, are in the men's room. Okay, I know that's a very strange way to start off, but just bear with me. Just bear with me. Okay, we finished the message here. I'm in the men's room. Chris just happens to be in the men's room at the same time. He's doing his business. It's number one. I'm there, and then I notice Chris just finishes his business and walks straight out of the bathroom. Okay, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? Unclean, right? Right? He's going to be like, hi, I'm Chris. How you doing? Hi, I'm Chris, right? I'm like, this is gross. Okay, so then we're walking out of the bathroom, right? We're walking out of the bathroom, and then Chris just turns to me and he says, hey, Pastor Andrew, great message today. I didn't fall asleep. Okay, he says that, right? Now, what am I thinking? What an insensitive jerk. Okay, maybe I'm thinking something that like, well, that wasn't very sensitive. That wasn't very sensitive, okay? Okay, now we're going to the fellowship hall, and, and Chris, now, by the way, this is so unlike Chris. Chris <laughs> sees brownies. He loves brownies. He gets four of them, puts them together with napkins, and puts them in his pocket, all right? Deanna, would Chris ever do something like that? No, he wouldn't do anything like that. But let's say Chris does something like that, okay? Now what I'm thinking, what's the word that comes to mind? Freeloader is what comes to mind, okay? So now, okay, okay, no, now, so now I'm, I'm looking at Chris, okay? He was the bathroom and unclean, right? And he was like, I didn't fall asleep. I'm like, that's not very sensitive. And then we're in the fellowship of the hall, and he takes Brown, and he puts them in the pocket, freeloader, okay? I'm thinking that, I'm thinking that. I'm not saying it to him, but I'm thinking that, Okay? Now, this is what's happening. Jesus steps into the scene, right? And he goes, let me paint the visual reality of what is really happening at this moment, okay? Now, Chris, I want, well, actually, what I want you guys to do is I want you guys to look at the very end of this stick. What do you see here? Can everyone see what's on the end of this stick? No. You know why? It's a speck. You can't see a speck. Unless you're as close to the speck as I am, and I can barely see it, actually. But it's right there on the tip. It's a little tiny piece of rice. You know how hard I worked on making this speck? Right here is a speck. Okay, that's a speck. You guys got the speck? You see the speck? You know, you, 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 imagine the speck being here. Okay, now I want you to put this next to your eye, okay? Now, what I got, not in your eye, but next to it. No, closer, closer, closer. Closer. In your eye. In your eye. No, no, no. Closer. There you go. Right there. Closer. Like one centimeter away. You'll be okay. I, I cleaned the piece of rice. It's, it's, it's clean. Okay. Now, this is what Jesus says is happening. What is this? It's not a log. Why? I can't carry a log. Give me a break. I had to chop it down to a beam. Okay? This is a beam. This is a log. That is a... And this is a... Okay, so I went to the bathroom, unclean. That sounded weird. We, we went together. He didn't wash his hands, unclean, right? He said a comment, insensitive. He loaded up on brownies, freeloader, right? That's what I'm thinking, thinking that. Okay, and then Jesus says, in reality, what is happening, speck? Log. You guys see this? This is the visual depiction of what Jesus is saying is really happening here. When I'm critical towards another person, speck, log, right? 
When I am treating this person with contempt, I'm rolling my eyes. Brownies in the, I'm rolling my eyes. Spat, log, right? This is the reality of Jesus. This is what is happening, okay? Can we give a hand to the man with the speck? Thank you, Chris. Thank you. You don't do any of those things. I know you wash your hands. You never say something insensitive about me. Never you, bro. Okay. Okay, now, I, I, now here's, here's another measure of reality. Okay, you're looking at me. This is the problem. It's not the speck. It's the log. But here is where the problem gets even worse. Okay? Most people with a beam in their eye when they're critical or, or treating someone else with contempt, most of them at that moment don't say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, what's this gigantic beam in my eye doing? Most people don't do that. You know what most people do? You, you might even point out the beam, and most people would say, what beam? What log? I don't see it. It's an invisible log. Now, do you see how big the problem here? Um, okay, first of all, I got a beam in my eye. And second of all, it's an invisible beam that I cannot see. And most people don't see their own beam. They don't see the hypocrisy. That is a big, big, big problem. That makes it easier for them to look at that speck and think it's much larger than it really is. What do we do with this problem of the invisible log? What do we do? Well, what does Jesus say we do? What does Jesus say? Uh, verse 3. He says this, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Okay, what's the positive form of that? But do not notice the log that is in your... What's the positive form of that? Do not notice... The positive form is notice. Notice. So what is Jesus calling us to do to change this crazy situation? Jesus is saying notice... Paul uh, Miller calls this noticing beam research. I, I don't know if you like that, but it's strange enough to be memorable, you know. Beam research. What does a researcher do? A good one is going to investigate. They ask good questions. They take time to be reflective. They grow in self-awareness. They ask God for help. God, help me see the log. Here's the principle, okay? I want you guys to remember this. Actually, if you can repeat it after me. Whenever you see a speck, reflect on your log. All right, let's try that again. Whenever you see a speck, reflect on your log. In other words, look at yourself first. Now, how do I do that? Well, how about three questions? Number one, do I do that? This person is so insensitive. Oh, wait, 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 wait. But do I do that? Yeah, I do that a lot. <laughs> do I do that? Number two, have I done something similar? 
That person is so lazy. Wait, wait, wait. Have I done, uh, do I do that? No. Have I done something similar? You mean like act irresponsibly? Yes. Do I do that? Have I done something similar? What's my flaw? You know? This person is so moody. Wait, 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 wait. Do I do that? No. Do I do something similar? No. What's my flaw? I'm self-absorbed. <laughs> I guess we both share a common human brokenness, a common disposition towards sin. Do I do that? Have I done something similar? What's my flaw? It's, it's beam research. Now, here's the crazy thing. When you have a beam in your eye that you can't see, the thing that you least want to do is start asking those three questions. That Jesus is like, the thing that you least want to do is the path towards reality and compassion. Happens to be the way of Jesus. Jesus takes us to a place we don't want to go so that we can be the people that we want to be. Okay. So we do beam research We ask three questions. Okay, no notes. What's the first question? What do I? Okay, well, I'm being critical of you guys now for not really participating. What do I? Have I done something? And what's my? What's my flaw? All right, so you're saying, okay, well, then Jesus must be saying you reflect on your flaw You discover your flaw. You feel bad and you just be quiet. Is that what Jesus is saying? Uh, No. Verse 5. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Okay, we talked about that. And then what's next? And then what? And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So once you have found the beam and removed it, what do you do? Well, there's an expectation that you're going to lovingly, empathetically tell your brother that they have a speck. But it's going to be way different after you do the beam research. It's going to be something like, I know how hard it is. I do the same thing. I know how hard it is. I do the same thing. There's no combination there. You want the best for that person. You speak the truth in love and you help your brother or sister take the speck out of their own eye. Now, because we love people too much, we don't want them just to leave the speck in there. You know, a a speck of sand in a person's eye can do a lot of damage. Now, granted, the law can do much more for me, but I still care about my brother, and I know that speck can do damage, and I don't want them to have that damage. Now, before we go too far with this, you got to bring notice to verse 6. Verse 6 brings a necessary balance, and we desperately need the balance. The vision that Jesus gives is not going around and just always just, you know, it's speaking your mind, and, you know, in, although it's in love whenever we see a speck. It's not like, um, brother, I love you, man, but you, you got to take a shower, you know? 
or I've, I've been there before, brother, but you're, you're addicted to media, or, you know, you need to treat your girlfriend better, or you need a floss, man. You know, it's not that this constant barrage of, like, hey, uh, I see a speck, a speck, a speck, a speck. Now, granted, it's love, but you can do it, and you can do it unwisely, and you can do it too much, and that's why we have verse 6 to bring the necessary balance. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Like, what's this talk about dogs and pigs, you know? Well, we're talking about dogs and pigs now. Don't give what is holy, like loving truth about a person's speck to people who won't receive it. Now, how do I know if they won't receive it? Use discernment. Pray for wisdom. If the person has no track record of teachability or humility, if the timing isn't right, then I will choose not to share, but to pray. I mean, Jesus is like, use wisdom. Use wisdom. There's a time to speak, and there's a time just to be quiet and to pray. Okay, there we go. All six verses on Jesus' teaching. Now, um, that, let's have a quick review, lest we forget, Okay. And since we're doing this review many times, no one's going to roll their eyes at me, right? Okay. Maybe some will. No, you won't. Um, according to Jesus, this is the human condition. The human condition is to be critical and see what's wrong in another person. And in doing so, we have this beam in our eye where they have a speck. Speck? And log, but here's the thing: it's an invisible log. Most people though can't even see their own log, so this is a problem. And Jesus says, "Well, do beam research. Notice the log that's in." And how do I do beam? Well, you look at yourself first. You ask three questions. You know, do I do that? Um, what have I done that's similar? And what's my flaw? Right. And then when you've done the beam research, then you can say something like, oh man, I know it's hard. I do the same thing. But you are called to speak the truth. But have discernment on when you speak and when you don't. Okay, is that a good review? Okay, are we all on the same page? All right. Well, what do you say we put the words of Jesus to action? You guys ready for this? We're going to actually practice doing this, okay? Now, this is not just a, a message where it's like, oh, this is, these are stimulating thoughts. These are messages from Jesus that is invoking change. We don't want stimulating, just stimulating thoughts. We want to change. We want to be the people of God that God has called us to be. Okay, so let's put this into action. You guys with me? Okay, you guys can say yes, you know, like, let's try again. Let's, we're going to put these into action. Are you with me? Okay, okay, now I want you all to stand. Okay, I want you all to stand, and uh, I'm going to show you a couple different pictures, okay? Now, when you see the pictures, I want you to do, first of all, what's natural, and then I'm going to guide you in doing what's supernatural, okay? First, I want you to do what's intuitive, and this is meant to be, you know, interactive. And then after that, I want you to do what's counterintuitive according to the advice of Jesus. Okay, you guys ready? All right, here is the first picture. Look up. Okay, some of you are like, yeah, I admire her, okay. All right, that's a different message we need to talk about. But, 
But, you know, that's okay, okay, all right, all right. Now, now, some of you are thinking different thoughts. Now, I just want you to be all honest, okay? Should not hear, I just want you to be honest. Throw out some of those thoughts. I mean, can we do that? Throw out the thoughts that you think the person next to you might be thinking, you know? Go, go ahead. What, what, what are you thinking? I'm sorry. Okay, sexy. That was honest. She is a very good-looking woman. That's true. Okay, but give me some more things that are coming through your mind. Maybe from the women. <laughs> Slutty. Okay, some of you are like, you know, I wasn't going to say it, but I was honestly thinking that. You know, I was honestly thinking. Okay, how about like superficial? How about like craves the spotlight? What are some other words? Self-absorbed. It's all about her, you know. Some of you are like, what does she do for a living again? You know, others of you are like, I know what she named her kid. You guys know what she named her kid? North, and you know who she married? Kanye West, put it together. Northwest. She did that to her kid? Yes. You're thinking like, okay, bad role model, bad role model, bad mom, bad mom. Okay, okay. But we're not going to go there, right? Instead, we're going to do some beam research, okay? Now, what's the first question we ask? Whenever you see a speck, reflect on your own log, right? What's the first question we ask? Do I do that? Okay. Now, how many of you have ever craved the spotlight? Okay, some of us, but others of us are unconvinced. Okay, now we go to the second question. Have I done something similar? Have I ever done anything like that? Have I ever been self-absorbed? Maybe some of us are like, no. Okay, what is my flaw? We all went all the way down to number three. Who here doesn't have a flaw? Oh, okay, now we're talking. Now we're talking. You're like, okay, she's got flaws. I got flaws. Now, if I'm good friends with Kim, I, I would still say, hey, Kim, I know it's hard to be in the spotlight so much. You know, let's talk about that. Okay, all right. That was Kim. All right. Now we're going to go to picture number two. You guys ready for picture number two? Okay, uh, clear your mind and just be aware of the first thing that pops in. Take a look at that. Oh, Pastor Andrew went there. Yes, we went there together. Yay, right. Okay, now I know that uh, the picture's a little bit on the bias side. I got that, right? Okay, but maybe this picture will be better. All right? Okay, now, I want you to be all honest. Some of you might be like, hey, I listened to that guy. I like that guy. Okay, all right. Again, that's a different message. But um, what are the first things that come to your mind? Now, be honest. Be natural first. What are the first things that come to mind? Go. <laughs> who is that? Okay, who is that? That is the man by the name of Joel Osteen. Does that ring a bell? Okay, he wrote a book called Your Best Life Now. Does that ring a bell? Okay. Now, okay, maybe um, uh, people who know Joel Osteen from a certain angle, maybe some of the words that would come to prosperity gospel, health and wealth um, gospel preacher, you know? Maybe some of you might be like, false teacher, right? Some of you are thinking that. What are some other things that come to mind? Being honest. Okay, maybe you don't know this, but he, he owns like a $10 million house. So if you knew that, maybe that would be the first thing 
that would come to your mind. $10 million house. And you're starting to go like, how in the world can you own a $10 million house when there are people dying of hunger? And, and you know, maybe some thoughts like that are coming to mind. Okay, but we're not going to go there, right? We're not going to go there. Whenever you see a speck, reflect on your log. Okay, we're going to go back and look at ourselves first. So do I do something like that? Do I ever fail to completely represent the gospel of Jesus Christ? Maybe not in what I say, but in how I live. Do I ever fail to represent the whole truth of God in the way I live? No, that's not a question for me. That's a question for all of us. And how about this one? How about this one? People can look at Joel and they go, the $10 million house, how can you in this age of global poverty... Well, they can also look at my Toyota Prius and go, why aren't you driving a moped, you know, in this day of global poverty? They can do the same with me, right? They can do the same with you, right? Are there certain inconsistencies in your, your message and your life? Anything like that? Okay, now at, at this point, since Joel is, is our brother, we, we could write him a letter. We could say, Joel, I know how hard it is for you to own a $10 million house, the HOA fees and all that. See, you know what that was? That was sarcasm, right? See right there? See, I did the, I did the contempt thing right there, right? But you can, you can really, like if I knew, I'd be like, hey, bro, what's going on, you know? I, I, I got inconsistencies too. Let, let's just talk about it, right? All right, um, you guys can take a seat. Uh, let's go further. Let's go further. Let's risk a little bit more. I want you guys to go ahead and watch this video, and then I'll come back and finish the stories. Uh, go ahead and watch this video. And she said, you know, let's have breakfast. So she said, um, well, we can't have we can't talk here. I mean, let's go to, let's go to my apartment. So they, they went to her apartment. And her friend opened up to her for the first time about the friend's addiction to porn and, and sexual bondage. And, uh, and S and M. I, I'm not really sure what that is, but... She had been in that world, so she understood it. And she told me all about it. And then I remembered, I, I remembered, I loved her. She had worked in the ministry with me together. This, this whole dysfunction, this whole side to her had been hidden from me. And her friend, speaking of her friend, she said she was very worried. She was so scared because she had seen my anger. And, and now would I stay locked up in that anger and direct it to her? Would I reject her? To forgive her friend, she realized, she had to forgive her daughter's murder. To forgive a stranger, Wilma Dirksen sort of had to do beam research. And she had to start within her own community. And then she had to realize the common brokenness. She took a good look at her community and herself. You guys, all these examples deal with people who we don't know. I don't know if you guys know Kim on a personal basis 
or Joel or Wilma. But notice that Jesus called the person with the speck a brother. So the immediate context is someone you know. Who is someone you know that you've been critical towards? You've had contempt towards. You've been looking down on them. Is it your spouse? Is it your roommate? Is it your boss? Is it your best friend? Is it your kids? Is it your parents? Who is it? And the hope here is that if Wilma Dirksen could, by the power of God, forgive her daughter's murderer, then you can also stop being critical of whoever you're critical of. There is hope for change. And if beam research helped her, and it did, then the words of Jesus can help you as well. There's hope. I want to close on this story. It's a well-known story. There is one day when a group of people brought this woman who was caught in the act of adultery. This really kind of savage situation. And they, they throw her before Jesus. And they say, teacher, this woman was caught in the act. Moses said that we should stone such people. What do you say? I love this story, and and partly because there's a mystery there. Do you know what Jesus did when that question and that situation was just like forced upon Jesus? You know what he did? He bent down, and he started to write on the ground. You know, and this is actually the first time we see that Jesus is writing something. Do you guys know what he wrote? We don't know what he wrote. You know why? Because the scripture doesn't say what he wrote. He was, but he was writing something. It was, it was a detail. It happened, and we don't know what he wrote. And then he stood up, and he said, He who is without sin, let that person be the first to cast the stone. And you know what he did after that? He stooped down again and he started writing. <laughs> now you imagine this, this silence. And what's going on in this moment? Beam research. People are kind of looking at themselves. Oh, do I have sin? Do I have sin? Now, certain people started leaving. You know who left first? The older people. You know why? Because they have a longer track record of the beam, you know? Like I've been around long enough to know I got stuff, Right? So they're the first ones to leave. And then the younger ones are like, well, what, what, you, you, and then they start to leave. And then everyone leaves except Jesus and the woman. And Jesus turns to the woman and says, you know, where, where are your accusers? Is there no one here to condemn you? She, she says, no, sir. And he says, well, then neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. Now, I need to make this point. There was one person in the crowd who had every right to pick up that stone and just throw it right at her. It was Jesus. Jesus has that right. But Jesus doesn't do it. But here's the thing. The stone was actually hurled at Jesus. Not, not the, the, the metaphorical stone. Jesus died on the cross. So he had the right to throw the stone. He doesn't throw the stone, and instead he takes the stone for the woman and for us as he died on that cross. 
Now, what does this do to a person knowing this? Well, here is Jesus. He has the right to throw the stone. He doesn't throw the stone. He takes the stone for the woman and for us, and that melts us. It humbles us. If Jesus can do that, then I can own my own stuff. It gives me power to actually look deep and go, oh, there's a brokenness there too. If Jesus covers me on the cross, then I can live life uncovered and be honest. The cross does amazing things for us, helps us love in ways we never knew we could love before. That's what Jesus does for us. Because he covered me on that cross, I can live my life uncovered and honest. And so I can ask those questions. Do I do the same? What have I done that's similar? What's my flaw? And then I can reach out and say, you know, it's, it, I know it's hard. I do the same thing too. Jesus changes us and makes us more loving people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you call us to a vision of looking first at our own sin, being honest and broken and thankful, and truly able to love other people with eyes that are uncluttered, with clarity to see our stuff, other people's stuff, and to speak with truth and honesty. I thank you that you allow us to do this. Thank you for your grace. And our eyes are focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray.